We are the weekly pop culture podcast that dissects and discusses the zeitgeist with stories found far and wide from brows higher <laughs> and low. I'm Dolly Alderton. And I'm Pandora Sykes. And together we are... No, not really. Uh, I just <laughs> wanted to try introducing ourselves like uh, an X-Factor band in the uh, Manchester auditions in the mid-noughties. Um, together we are what? Together we are a pair of... Gobby Bints. Oh my God, please never describe us as this again. <laughs> also known as journalists. We are a pair of journalists. For those of you that didn't catch the first episode last week of the High Low, this is our brand new... Now that Dolly's done a... I know. This is our brand new oh, podcast. I like it. Um, from the people, us, who bought you the Pandolly <laughs> podcast. A weekly people. news and pop culture podcast. Our founding ethos is that of Tina Browns, the Vanity Fair editor in the 80s, that life is enjoyed most fruitfully as a mix of high and low culture. Nothing is too cheesy or crass or basic and nothing is too lofty. Nothing is too lofty. The Hilo's had an absolutely cracking first week of existence. It has! Dolly kept sending me um, screenshots and, um, you know, no one likes to show off, but we did peak at number two in the iTunes podcast Okay, I would really like to just take a moment to show off about that. I think that's quite brilliant. How do you plan to show off? Well, I just wanted to just take a moment for us to revel in the fact that we're now... I would say... Take a moment. Chart toppers. (laughs) That really is Manchester auditions. Um, but we can't we can't describe how excited we were to watch the chart creep up. But Dolly was really annoyed with herself because she Instagrammed it when we were at number 22, which meant when we got to number two, she couldn't, I couldn't go back she, and delete it. And she, go. She'd already recorded our not nearly so great inputs. I know, and that is the key with Instagram, is that you mustn't preempt. Don't shoot your load early. But then what if we'd dropped down? We are now dropping down. Just to let you all know, the iTunes charts are based on when you're sort of new and people are subscribing. So obviously we've had a cracking first week because you've all come to visit us. But for anyone who feels the need to email and go, you know you're like number 47 now, we know the inevitable decline is upon us. But <laughs> hopefully we'll creep up That's again. That's fine. Podcast has had a good week. What about us, the people that bring you the <laughs> Hilo show? Um, how was your week, Pandora? How was Jamaica? Yes, I've had a very spoiling week. Um, I was in Jamaica for a wedding and then I went on for a few days somewhere else to celebrate my 30th birthday. Where's my present, Dolly? I'm going to give it to you uh, on your birthday party on Saturday. <laughs> You're grinning like... I've already been texting your husband about Have what I'm you? getting you for your birthday, which is why I got annoyed when you are like, I might not get any presents. I did, I did, do you know what I got? I got a key ring from him and it's called an emo key ring and it's the two dancing lady emojis. It's a massive key ring, of the, and it's so I don't lose my keys anymore. That's very on brand, I think, and useful. <laughs> but no, I had a great birthday. I got to watch newly hatched baby turtles, which was like the best thing of my I know, life. I love those videos, but I could see as well. <laughs> I could was like I could see the backlash, the comment backlash happening with the baby turtles. Luckily, after I put in my disclaimer that I hadn't gone rogue and I was with a game warden, people stopped saying, "Are you allowed to do that?" Were you washing the baby turtles? Yeah, washing the baby turtles so they could be oh. counted and put back into the sea. There was a little turtle race where they all waddle towards the sea. And some of them go in the incubator if they're not quite ready. But yeah, so, so cracking 30 years. Cracking baby turtles. 30 years. Baby turtles and number two. That was yeah, the day we were number in two. The um, but I am very jet lagged. I only flew in a few hours ago and I'm pretty sure I have a bladder infection because I sat in the middle seat, which I always have to do because my husband 
Ollie is a nervous flyer and he has to sit in the window seat. Yeah, I do. So I'm always in the middle seat and there's always someone at the end who doesn't really like moving. So normally I have to jump over their heads, which is a terrifying endeavour. And I only like to risk it about twice in a flight. So I spend most of the flight absolutely parched because if I drink water, it means I need to go to the loo. It's not, it's not is that Does that give you bladder infections holding in wee? Yeah. Oh, so it's good for your pelvic floor, but bad for your piss. Yeah, it's not. It's not an easy one, is it? It's the uh, it's the sort of magic so Sophie, balance. The Sophie's choice of vaginas, <laughs> of bladder, of bladders. But I watched both Jackie and Manchester by the Sea on the plane. Oh, heavy! I heavy. think I know. I actually read my book at points of both films to stop it getting too heavy. I think Natalie Portman should have won the Oscar for Jackie. Good. Um, I'm glad you think Manchester that. by the Sea. I did think it was really good. I didn't think Casey Affleck was necessarily the best male lead I've seen in five years. Really? No, I didn't necessarily think that. Is that because you really know good. he's? Um, a beardy creep, though, in real life. A beardy life. creep? No. No, he was great. It was really good. It was great. What have you been up to, Dolly, in my absence? Um, that makes it sound like you're only up to stuff in my presence. <laughs> uh, which is probably true. I like to think that when you're not with me, you're not really... Existing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't have huge amounts to report. The main big lifestyle change that's happened that I've already taken to all social media platforms to keep everyone uh, abreast on this is I think I have finally, age 28 discovered the joys of pop-up events. Oh, yeah, like Columbus, you've discovered <laughs> the joys of ephemeral food, drink and uh, retail vignettes. Because, I'll tell you for why, one of my best friends, Sabrina, is pop-up obsessed, as in... Pop-up pro. She's a pop-up pro. Pop-up pop-up bunnies. bunnies. <laughs> um, she's a pop-up pro. It's caused a bit of a wedge in our friendship group because every day I get an email from her for the last ten years being like, oh, do you want to go to this? It's a... Um, it's a karaoke night on a barge that goes down the Thames. And I just never... I used to go, oh, yeah, maybe, or I'm a bit skint, or I'm not sure. Now I just never reply to them. So she knew that the only way she could finally get me to one is if she just paid for it. <laughs> she just said, you're coming to Backyard Cinema with me. And I went, oh, I don't know. I'm not sure about the old What's pop-up Backyard thing. Cinema? Is that like It's like cinema? peak pop-up. But it's an elephant and castle... It's kind of this, like, hidden Italian food market that has this lovely big cinema. We went to go see American Beauty, which I've never seen before, which was amazing. Sorry, what? Yeah. You've never seen American Beauty? No, I know. Kevin you're Spacey. doing all this. Yes, I didn't see it. What have I been doing all my life? God knows. <laughs> okay, um, fine. You've done it for me. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, so I saw that, and the whole thing was just a joy from start to finish. It was like fairy lights. We had this delicious pasta. So do you now owe Sabrina quite a lot of money? We um, No, <laughs> but she's now converted me, because we were sitting watching it in this lovely, like, heated outdoor cinema, and I was like, Sabrina, I'm really sorry. Like, you're right, this is so fun. This is so much nicer than, like, Pizza Express. <laughs> she's like, OK, well, tomorrow I'll send you more, and then immediately... Immediately, my heart sank. I was like, okay, I'm going to be doing a conga line. <laughs> but anyway, I'm converted. So, Sabrina, this is your green light to take me to any number of your nutty events that cost £100 a ticket. What are you reading at the moment, Pandora? So my best friend for my birthday gave me the Patrick Melrose novels by an English author called Edward St. Auburn. Um, I'd never heard of those before. Have you heard of the Patrick Melrose novels? No. I don't understand how we miss them. I'm sort of mortified I miss them. Anyway, it's five books. First three come as a trilogy. Second two, I think, come independently. I'm not sure. It's whopping. It's like 900 pages. And there's a forward by um, Zadie Smith. And it's absolutely brilliant. It's about this 
God, I mean, one hell of a life. Semi-autobiographical. And it's about how much of it's true. And it, you know, really is true. He had an alcoholic American heiress mother. He had a cruel, cruel father who sodomised him from the age of five. He God, grew up into awful. a serious, serious heroin addict in his early 20s. Um, it's absolutely amazing. And the Zadie Smith intro is actually as amazing as the books. Mm. I was also very excited to see it and we will tweet this out on the high low, the link to this. In fact, anything we mention, any book, any article, anything like that, we will tweet out on the high lows Twitter. We're trying to sort of master the high lows Twitter, but it's like a child that we've birthed and we're not yet united in our parenting skills or well, indeed I just don't parent or it. indeed in our regular parenting full stop. It's like the sort of Tamagotchi of yore. But um I found myself tweeting the other day, I was like, oh I'm listening to this Laura Marling song. And I was like what? This isn't how you're meant to do I it. I think we need to tweet as an autonomous thing. So, uh, you Why know, today's high-low fat. Today's, I'm, I bloody am. <laughs> anyway, so Hadley Freeman is doing an in-conversation with Jamie Attenberg. I mispronounced her name last week as Jamie. Apologies. Thank you to the person who corrected me. Imogen Pelham. Thanks very much. Yeah, Hadley Freeman is doing an in-conversation with Jamie Attenberg, who is one of my favourite recently discovered um, New York authors. Dolly and I are going to buy tickets. They are only £6 with a £4 booking fee. I love that. Sort of slightly outweighted with the percentages there of booking fee. Um, We'll put the link up. Both Hadley and Jamie, or Jamie, are both brilliant writers, so that is definitely worth a visit. Dolly, what about you? What have you been reading? I have been reading... I know this sounds a bit crowbarred, these questions, but if you missed last week, it's because we've decided to make this a regular slot of the podcast. Because we get asked about it so much. We get asked all the time what we're reading. This this is like the Richard and Judy's book club section of the podcast. Um, I'm reading Ariel Levy's... um, I don't know if it's Levy or Levy. Ariel Levy, but nice try. Well, my mum is Levy's her maiden name, and some say Levy, some say Levy, so it's not a jammy situation. She writes, she writes a lot for the New Yorker, She writes actually. for the New Yorker. She writes one of my favourite pieces in the New Yorker, a deeply, deeply affecting piece called Christmas in Mongolia. Did you read that? No, I haven't. Um, I'm still discovering ones. You can sort of dip in, mm. dip in at any point. Suddenly a 2010 one you find yourself immersed in. She's one of my favourite New Yorker voices and has been for a while. So it's a memoir called The Rules Do Not Apply, um, my friend Tash gave it to me. Is that about her mum? No, it's about... I think she's done one with her mum. It's about... I don't want to spoil it for people, but it's about a series of incidents that happened in her 30s that kind of changed her life. Very dramatic incidents. As well as talking about her life as a journalist. I've just got to the bit where David Remnick at The New Yorker hires her and it's very funny. He takes her out for lunch at a sushi restaurant and she's sweating so much with nerves that when the waiter comes around with a hot towel, he's like, take those away from her. That's really weird. My first ever meeting as a new employee of the Sunday Times was in a sushi restaurant. Oh, was it? And yeah. were you sweating profusely as well? <laughs> yes, I think I didn't know what to order. I didn't want to come across as too sort of Greedy bourgeois. or too, yeah. Um, but it's great. If you're a journalist, you will love it because she talks a lot about the science of getting a story, it. of finding a case study. Cool. Um, but it's we'll also just about... There's a line in it where I just thought this is exactly what the whole book's about, where she said to David Remnick when she was convincing him to hire her she said I write about gender I write about women I write about sex I write about women who are too much and who want too much do you think we're too much uh certainly um <laughs> I definitely think I want but too it's much. I really really it's an she is an incredible incredible writer and okay. it's Sold. an amazing book good great <laughs> and have you been listening to anything good I haven't actually listened to any podcasts this week. Um, did you get my screen grab I sent you of the Grace Coddington? I love that. Did you get my screen grab? I mean, 
what out of the four hundred eighty thousand this year? Which one? Normally, the one it's a I sent you yesterday you because I thought it would be nice for you for the flight, my darling girl. Oh, Soz, what was it? It's Grace Coddington on yes. Alec Baldwin's podcast. Here's the thing. Oh, great! And it's absolutely brilliant. She's, she's very funny. She's such a broad. I love her. I didn't know really she was well. Actually, do you know what? Sorry, just to go back to these books I was talking about, the Patrick Melrose novels. The guy that wrote it, Edward mm. St. Auburn, the author, was married to Alexandra Shulman's sister, Nicola Shulman, who's oh, also really? a journalist. Have you ever read any of Nicola Shulman? work no i want to go and read it now yeah they were married for a for a brief period of time um so again we will tweet all of that uh do you listen to that grace calling someone yeah yeah totally um i also read a great piece in the observer on sunday a really affecting piece um i'll sort of try and give a very brief preface of it but again we'll tweet this and you should read it so there's an icelandic writer and speaker called i'm definitely mispronouncing her name apologies thordis elva uh she was raped by an australian exchange student in iceland called tom stranger in 1996 she was 16 and he was 18 uh and they were dating eight years later thordis contacted tom and for six years they corresponded via email before meeting up two years ago and writing a book called south of forgiveness about the attack and how it affected both of their lives um Anyway, it's a really stunning piece in The Observer and Thordis talks about how she's been victim-blamed by writing this book with Tom and by forgiving him. You know, apparently she's not grieving the right way, her anger isn't right, her forgiveness isn't right. I think she's really brave and I really want to read the book. Anyway, Tom and Thordis are meant to appear at the Women of the World Festival at the Southbank Centre next week, but 2,300 people have protested against Tom's appearance, concerned it might be a trigger for survivors. The petition posits, by giving the rapist in question a platform to relay their narrative, the event will inevitably encourage the normalisation of sexual violence instead of focusing on accountability and the root causes of this violence. Incidentally, there's a podcast by ABC journalist Richard Fiddler as part of his In Conversation With series between Thordis and Tom, which we'll share on the Hilo's Twitter. Um, Richard tweeted on March the 5th, a rare chance to hear both survivor and perpetrator of sexual assault. I haven't had time to listen to that yet, but I think that sounds really Mm, interesting. It's such a difficult question, I think, the question of no platforming. Um, In one way, I can see, if you were a survivor of sexual abuse, why this would be an incredibly difficult thing to accept and to swallow. Um, Certainly, I understand that that event should have... Um, I know people mock this phrase, but there's a reason why it exists. A trigger warning for people... Oh, absolutely. ...for people yeah, who, yeah, have, yeah. Who've, who are survivors of sexual abuse because I think giving someone that platform and being faced with that would be a very, very confronting and distressing yeah. thing. Yeah. In another way, I think we have... This is... Uh, this might sound strange. I think we have to understand rapists. I don't think that sounds strange. I think we need to understand what motivates these people because there's exactly. still a vast amount of it going on. Well, in it's, a, it's a fucking huge Sexual problem. Abuse. It's yeah. massive, and I think it's not going away. And I think saying we have to understand them does not mean be forgiving or compassionate. But I don't think we should make them cartoon villains in our heads because then we silence them and we will never understand why and how they operate and then we will never be able to end sexual violence. That's my thought. Yeah, I think to resort to cliche, the world is not black and white. There are grey areas and there are a few people who are fully good or fully bad and um, it's hard to accept, I think, but a lot of men or women who do very bad things have at other times in their life done very good things and that can mm-hmm. be hard to reconcile them all as one one person. But, yeah, until until we understand how people work, we're not going to get a better idea of how to... 
manage them isn't the right thing so it's more to do with self-management isn't it but you know bring it sort of to light I'm afraid we're still far from understanding the severity of it which is why I actually think I that it was right for them to I have actually that want I actually want to I actually want to applaud Tom Stranger's bravery uh what he did was the opposite of bravery it was cowardly and you know sickening and exploitative and all, all those awful things he raped someone he raped someone I totally understand that but now almost 20 years later to have written a book to be doing a TED talk together to be trying to, to to be trying to appear at a women's festival he is absolutely putting himself in the firing line whether it's for atonement or for you know, furthering the cause of understanding. I don't know, but I do think it's brave because my from, from God, he's I've, not going to get any. From what I've read, for doing that. From what I've read as well, I don't think you know if it is for atonement or for catharsis. Obviously, that's completely the wrong motivation. But from what I have read, it seems like he is furthering an understanding of why sexual violence happens. And it does sound emailing like, about this. And it does sound like he's taking obviously full accountability. It's not like a debate. It's his not very, like he's standing up very and saying... His first email full accountability is she emailed him first and he very much said, you know, my God, I haven't stopped thinking about what I've done to you and mm. how are you feeling? What can I do? Um, I am very impressed by her and what she has allowed she's herself... The, she's the truly brave Allowed herself to create them. with him and what they have... What they have done together, yeah. Um, I think it's, I think it's a really interesting one. On something lighter, um, I'll read the Oscars memes last week. Um, many of you will have probably seen Nicole Kidman's really, really embarrassing attempt at clapping, like a seal, was, like a seal. But she actually said on a talk show in the last few days, when asked about it, you know, I'm really glad you brought that up. But basically, I was wearing a really expensive ring, and I was terrified of clapping in case I dislodged this ring. But I really wanted to show my support, so mm. she ended up doing this really crap clap, and it made me think, poor woman. Just I love tiny... that she was honest. <laughs> but I love that just a tiny snap decision can have you made into like the internet's best thing for an entire entire week but anyway so there you go she's not just a really weird clapper she um, was terrified about dislodging her jewelry we've all been there international women's day so hit me big news this week there's obviously been a hell of a lot written about it uh, on wednesday i had an interesting one actually because i was still away and i was thinking god do i post something on social media because i was scrolling through 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 seeing pictures of everyone you know this is me and my girls i love my girls blah blah blah, blah. and i had a real feeling of god is this just clicktivism that whole sort of instagrammable activism the whole idea of social media being woke, just putting up pictures, clicking, liking, you know, saying all the right stuff and not doing anything about it. There was a brilliant GQ piece a couple of months ago on being woke. Um, I can't remember who by, but I will find it and I will tweet it. And so there's an element of feeling quite crass. And I was really torn between um, I'm away, I'm on holiday. Is it kind of a bit vulgar for me to wade in and be like, oh, by the way, before I put up another picture of palm trees, like I really love ladies. And so I actually, but I wanted to, I wanted to say something on it. Um, and I did feel a certain pressure. So I put up a picture of Dolly and I just said, you know, I'm unsure where I stand on this, uh, this idea of just celebrating women one day a year. What about the other 364? And I'm also unsure about the kind of idea of using social media in this just quite like, oh, like, I love the girls feeling. But I did end up putting something up about it. Dolly, what do you think about it? I think there's been quite a lot of interesting debate around it. I love the message at its core I really love. I think International Women's Day, which is about pledging support and allegiance 
to women and for women's issues can get a bit confused with, as you said, I love the girlies. And, um, Sisterhood, wee! And it's, which is great, but, you know, that's no noble thing. It's Catelyn Moran's thing that she says all the time, which always makes me howl with laughter, that the Spice Girls' strain of feminism was girl power, which basically was be nice to your friends. And, you know, be nice to your friends is just common sense. It's not really about... That said, to argue against that, I think when you're 10, there's nothing more vital than hearing be nice to your friends because 10-year-olds can be little bitches. Completely, but I don't think that they formulated that message for a take-home for 10-year-olds. I think they rewrote history, don't they? (laughs) (laughs) No, they rewrote history, I agree, but maybe not as feminist icons. Anyway, carry on. Um, But yeah, I think there's a bit of confusion there in terms of the difference between being nice to your friends and you know what the message of Women's Day really is meant to be. And this great gallant act. Do you know what the funniest thing was, though? Exactly, it's not a gallant act, yeah. It's that um, while I was kind of thinking around this topic earlier, I was fielding comments on my Instagram feed from two people who basically kept commenting on my body. And um, I eventually just wrote, piss off, you big old troll. Wait, Um, wait, on International Women's Day? uh, You were getting people... Day after that, and I thought, my God, you see how... Christ, see, this is what I mean. This is what what I think, though. This is what it's like. Don't don't fucking put up a picture if you can honestly say you've never... And I can honestly say I have never written on another woman's account. I may have privately disclosed that I don't approve of X, Y, Z, but it's completely against the whole fucking thing and it's always women on other women as well I, d- I actually with the, with the social media commentary I actually didn't um, yesterday I kind of had that thing where I felt obliged it was like I looked I was... at your account actually and eventually I did put something up based on your account because you put up something about Gloria Steinem and I counted that as well, I actually, I actually just loved that quote, but then I didn't realise that that had been put up. And also, it was a really fabulous quote from Gloria Steinem, so that's why I put it up. I'm very cautious that, particularly when it's a day that's celebratory rather than a call to arms, it wasn't like, you know, it was a protest or anything. I think you've got to be careful of this behaviour that happens on social media that I myself have been very guilty of in the past, which is something called affiliation, which is... You see what everyone else is doing. You don't really question how much you believe it, but you just copy them because you see everyone else. Oh yeah, like one thing I really didn't saying... let myself do is did you see that everyone was like tagging or tweeting people they liked? And I looked at no, one... which is amazing. I really love that, but I just was like, do I'm you? Not... I looked at one no, female I think it's journalist nice. timeline, and she just tweeted like the names of forty female journalists she liked. And I was no, like, no, I like that, but I think the point is what I'm saying is that I didn't feel like I had anything new or interesting to say that wasn't being said in that arena today so I didn't feel it necessary just to wade in and I think that can be a real problem we need to learn how to just be a bit quieter sometimes like I'm not just going to copy another journalist because I can see that's got retweeted 300 times the social media manager TED Talks Ella Dawson tweeted I'd love for there to be an international men shut the fuck up day this to me kind of encapsulates why you have to be really careful on social media because for every picture of women with other girls, there's a tweet saying, fuck off men, and I think that it all conspires to not not really be about what feminism is about. What do, what do you think about men shut the fuck up day? I don't think it's particularly dignified or particularly helpful, but I can see why she tweeted this. I get it. I think the internet is full of douchebag men, a lot of whom actually I don't have to deal with because I often 
keep my opinions quiet because I don't want to have to deal with them, which mm-hmm. is very sad within itself. And the women that are brave enough to talk about how they feel, particularly when it comes to women's issues, often get absolutely trolled by these awful, awful men. And I can see how you would really lose your rag with it. And also, the world is full of them too. I'm not saying all men are like this. Of course not. I've got a lot of men in my life that I love. You know, you're married to a lovely one. My mum's married <laughs> to a lovely one. I know that there are some very brilliant men around who are very much supporters of the sisterhood. But there are also... It can feel relentless sometimes, you know, when you have men catcalling and shouting at you from vans and men who interrupt you at parties and never ask you any questions about you or your work and just talk over you or bosses who pinch your bum or producers who say they'll give you money for your project if you sleep with them or, you know, men who think it's totally okay to sleep with a semi-conscious okay, so I, drunk I, I girl. Do, I, do, I, I could just say yeah, that I, I get why sometimes you might lose your rag on days. No, I do understand that and that's why there's a lot, you know, there's everyday sexism, retweeting, all that. There are masses of outlets and platforms where I feel like good work is done there. I do think on the one day of the year and it's International Women's Day, we should be focusing on positive yes, I see that. positivity rather than turning that into a day where it looks like quote-unquote man-bashing. Otherwise, I'm not totally sure how we can expect to see men get on board with it when someone in a position of authority tweets, I wish there was a shut the fuck up, shut the fuck up men men shut the fuck up day trying to think Mm. of the right order of that you know my husband was saying that he was fully in support of that he said he absolutely would never put up a picture of me on instagram and be like women who i love hashtag international women's day Mm -hmm. so i could never do any of that but he did think that the day was interesting and important because it you know starts a conversation exactly a conversation however he was like tweets like that would make me think i can't really be bothered to say anything on the topic if you know it's I don't know. It's. Do you I know think it it's, it's. I think it's, it's counter. I, I think it's counterproductive, and I don't think. Do you know what? I don't think you should platform all of your thoughts. I think that sometimes you should think. Does this? So feminism is all about empowering women as a whole. Does that advance the cause for you personally, or does it advance the cause for women? So saying men shut the fuck up will have felt great on a personal level, but on International Women's Day. Is that doing much to further the cause of feminism? I understand. But then does every act have to be a feminist act? But I think it's... I completely understand what you're saying and I think it's a clumsy way of expressing what she meant. And what she meant is she's not saying shut the fuck up to a specific man or or an individual or men. She's talking about toxic male oppression she's talking about domineering masculinity and feeling silenced and that and, and a silence that stamps on women that's what she's referring to but it was clumsily i just don't think it was the day and i think and i think i'm not surprised why various men would think oh well i can't really be bothered then like you know if it's just if it's just another opportunity to generalize and mm. to dismiss and also i do have a slight issue with the fact that it's kind of like a bit cool to be like oh, is there a shut the fuck up men day? But it's really uncool to like chivalry. Do you know what I mean? It feels like various elements of feminism are apprised. If someone tweeted, I love it when a man holds a door open for me, can you imagine the shit? Yet when someone tweets, shut the fuck up men and gets loads of men just tweeting back, you know, we're told they're sort of brave. I think I agree with what you're saying about how it was like an inappropriate day perhaps to say that like that's not what the day should be about I, I completely agree with you on that the reason why as well I think it makes situations worse is like you know I saw this this friend of mine and it was quite funny he put up a picture of himself being like International Men's Day was there no International Men's Day and a lot of people were starting to think, oh you you know you big wiener it's every other day of the year the thing that re- I'm most annoyed about is I didn't realise that there is a Men's Day yeah yeah on November the, 19th, uh, yeah. November the 19th and you spotted something quite hilarious oh yes the comedian <laughs> Richard Herring um, went on a one man mission apparently he does this every year 
does he? He must have searched for men who were going, oh, when's International Men's Day? And uh, he replied to every single one of them. It must have been a whole day's work. Hey, Bobby tweeted, International Women's Day can suck camel dick. Why don't men get an International Men's Days? Hashtag sexist feminist cows. And he replied going, you're going to have to lick a camel's vagina, mate. It's on November the 19th. Mmm, salty, right? <laughs> he also said, my one favourite is here because it's so pedantic. It's a man called Michael yes. Vaughan. Tweeted, out of interest, do we have an International Man's Day? Question mark, question mark. Hashtag just asking. <laughs> he replied, hello, Michael Vaughan. No International Man's Day, but there is an International Men's Day on November the 19th. <laughs> do you know what? I accidentally tweeted out um, that happy International Women's Day from Dolly and Pandora and I spelt it wrong and I was like, oh, I'm going to leave that for the pedant to find. I'm going back to the beach for, for a rum cocktail. I'll, I'll leave that little gift for someone. That'll be um, a lovely gift, for, yeah. But yeah, there was, a br- there was also a really brilliant... I actually tweeted out being like, you know what? I don't care if this day is crass or a cliche. This is a bloody great video. Um, Caroline de Maigret, that sexy French nymphit sort of model and director, made a video with W Magazine where 82 sort of established fashion design creatives spoke about uh, being a feminist and feeling empowered and planned parenthood. And there was, it, was, it was a huge kind of turnout in terms of powerful people within the fashion industry. I am Joan Smalls. And I am a woman. I'm Sienna Miller. I am a woman. I am Donna Karen. Je suis une femme. You're so sad as I am a woman. Und ich bin eine Frau. I am a woman. I am a woman. It's really interesting because it's 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 very cool and slick and like beautifully done. But I don't think that detracts from the message. You know, if it's stylish, does does it reduce the point? I think sometimes there's definitely an element of fashion following from politics and not giving back to the tenets from which they draw. Like I've written about the debate around Dior's feminist T-shirt. They borrowed the line from Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie's TED talk, we should all be feminists, put it on T-shirts and didn't give any money to female charitable causes. Obviously, that's not necessarily a, a sort of a... Um, a balanced relationship. But with this video, I was like, I don't really care if it's in black and white and it's really stylish and everyone's really hot. It's like a really great message. She assembled Mm. 82 really powerful people to talk about it. A load of really beautiful people saying women's rights are human rights um, and not didn't really give any, any examples of what that actually means. It's not hugely groundbreaking, I would say, as an ideology, and it isn't anything we hadn't heard before, but it's still a central message that's really important and it still was packaged in a very mainstream way, which means that it will reach hundreds and thousands of people, which I think unmoved? is brilliant. Were you quite unmoved by it? I wasn't very moved, no, but I, but I, I still think it was a good... I think I liked the way one person started... It was a good tool started for a, the cause. I liked you know. the way one person started a sentence and the other finished it. I thought it was clever editing. <laughs> That's what yeah. International Women's Day is all about. <laughs> Clever editing. So, what's it's your about, concluding it's about, thoughts? It's about it's about the end goal, essentially. Um, is it furthering the conversation? Yes. Do I also feel like it gives quite a lot of opportunity to menomists? It's a really weird word to say. I feel like I'm saying mnemonic. Um, and people like Milo, i.e., people from the sort of societal boondocks, to act like a dick. Yes, sometimes also a bit. And do you know what? Sometimes it gives women the opportunity to also act like a dick. Let's remember, mm. level playing field, this is not always about just going, men, men, men are crap. Sometimes women don't use um, the hashtags, the handles, the days. No, women can be crap all the time. And yeah. I think that's what I think about Women's Day in the end is that I what, think... it's our day to be crap? No, I think <laughs> that... I think... 
you know, I'm the biggest fan of women, or everyone knows that. I've got hardly you love the ladies. I've got hardly any men in my life at all. Um, and I think celebrating and helping and pledging support to women and women's issues on Women's Day is brilliant, and I'm all for that. But all I would say is, what's more important instead instead of spending one day a year posting a photo of like your granny from the 1950s and saying like here's my ultimate girl boss or whatever you know we should be <laughs> not being crap with two other women for for the rest of the year we should be practicing raising other women up we should I'm pretty be... sure you've instagrammed a picture for mum before being like here's the lady i love the most yeah for sure but i wouldn't try <laughs> and make it about women's, women's day, day. <laughs> um yeah we should be supporting and raising each other up every day and that doesn't have to mean volunteering in a women's shelter but that's brilliant if you want to do that i think we there can be there's a small daily activism we yeah. can do for each other yeah we can if there's a drunk woman on the tube acting like an idiot instead of like you know taking a lolzy instagram picture of her we can like take her home or pay for her cab we can call out sexism in the workplace if a woman's being bullied at work we can help we can help her report it retweet the work of other journalists and you know help support them and raise them up and grow their career um, champion your best friend's work achievements as well as if she got married and have kids. All these small things that we can do that go... Micro-activism. Yeah, that also I just think we can go beyond International Women's Day and let's make sure we all do. That's what I would say. As well as the picture of the granny. As well as the granny. <laughs> <laughs> um, another topic that has really interested me this week is Nike have unfurled. Unveiled feels like an odd choice of word there, so I'm going to go with unfurled. It's pro-hijab, which is um, essentially a hijab that you can do sport in. It's its first piece of modest sportswear. I think it's really interesting because this was also the same week that the Modest, a modest wear luxury e-tailer, was announced. And as the fashion month ends, it is the first time ever that a um, Muslim model wearing a hijab has walked the catwalk. The Somali-American model Halima Aden. There's loads of interviews with her ID. I literally saw as we walked in to do this um, record, had done a great interview with her. She's an absolutely stunning woman. She was the first woman in history last year to compete at the Miss Minnesota USA pageant in a burkini. And then she was the first woman this year to walk the catwalk in a hijab. So she's making a lot of history. So an interesting week. But back to Nike. Um, the Guardian points out, in fact, that the collaboration between Nike and Muslim athletes in the Middle East is impeccable in terms of timing. You know, it's very mm, prescient. It's very timely. But that they're not the first person to do it. Capster have been making hijabs for sports since 2001 but you know they are they're a massive massive brand so if they're able to push for the inclusion of muslim women then that's a then that's a massive deal what do you think on it i feel slightly cautious discussing this because we obviously between us we have no shared experience of hijab wearing and for a lot of western feminists the idea of a hijab is fundamentally deeply problematic but then for a lot of other western feminists it's something that's complex and entrenched in culture and history and faith and we have absolutely no right to march in and reductively say that's bad for you or us or the cause or whatever um i don't think you have to have shared experience to discuss something i think you have to have shared experience to approve or ban or make any kind of intervention but i think us discussing around it is actually you know, I think discussion is 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 the key to the key to all things. It's sort of, I like to learn. It's not my place to ban anything, but I want to approve of progressive steps and positive steps that celebrate unity. And I definitely approve of um, Nike's pro hijab because. For a start, I think all of the material and content around it has been beautifully executed mm, mm. and um, 
it's been really widely pushed out. It's got a lot of people talking about it. Do you know what? I went onto Twitter and I could not see one negative thing written oh, about that's it. So good. And in this time, you know, I'm really sad to say that's that with so Islamophobia, you would expect to see something. Exactly. And there was there was nothing bad that I can see. So I'd like to think that this is a very positive. As yeah, as you said, we're living in a time of really dangerous and distressing Islamophobia, and I think. This is probably a sentiment that we both share. The normalisation of someone who is Muslim and wearing a hijab and realising at the end of the day that we're all very similar, that that we all, you know, play sports, we all mm. do similar things. In these times of really very dangerous and heavy ignorance and racism and fear, I think this can only be a really brilliant thing. It's just education. It's education and, my God, we've used this word a lot, but platform giving, mm. giving mm. a voice. One thing we didn't have time to do, and I really wish we had, is speak to um, women who wear hijabs to see yeah. what they thought about it. I wanted to get in touch with some hijab wearing bloggers or writers or creatives or any anyone at all if you have any thoughts on it we'd love to hear from you at the hilo show on twitter and the hilo show at gmail.com as i said i'm really sorry i literally flew in about two hours before we recorded this so for anyone that says well why haven't you actually spoken to people who wear hijabs we did really want to and we would love to hear your thoughts final topic onto the well-trodden but no less thorny subject of unpaid Internships. Ooh, we know those well. So the Olsen twins, who are famed, obviously, for being child stars and are now fashion designers, they've got various labels called The Row, Elizabeth and James, they were part of a massive lawsuit. 185 former interns formed a class action against their parent company, Jewel Star Entertainment, and sued them, basically, for not paying them to, uh, to intern. And they have all received $530 each. What do we think of this? It's not great press for the Olsen twins. Part of me thinks, oh, that's just internships, love. But another part of me wonders if, is, is, this, is this the end of these despicable unpaid internships? Well, it goes beyond one of the people who has sued has said, and this is according to a gossip cop, um, that she toiled for nearly 50 hours a week and was never paid a penny for her time and effort. In her initial court filing, she said the work was very demanding and her superiors were often very mean. She said, I'd see a lot of kids crying, doing coffee runs, photocopying and stuff. So this is quite... A, a, we've all heard these stories before. I think there are two issues here. Um, the first is... The problem with unpaid internships is it washes these industries with middle-class children and it, it really doesn't mm, do anything yeah. for diversity. Well, so you because... have to be able to afford to work for free. Exactly. I mean, the only way that I did an internship, dozens and dozens of internships after I finished my journalism masters, the only reason I could do that, my parents wouldn't have been able to give me money for rent. I don't have any savings for rent. My parents lived in the London suburbs, so that's the only way that I could do it. Otherwise, I would have yeah, had to I lived find with a family friend. I saved £10,000. Um, over the course of my childhood scholastic years, I'm and so I could either do I could either do a masters or I could intern. And I lived with a family friend in London, and again, I would not have been able to do that. I was very, very lucky. I'm the youngest of four children, so thank God my parents have built up a lot of family friends <laughs> over the four of us. Um, and I interned, and I interned for two years. I did three different stints in lieu of doing 
NMA, that was my choice. And whenever I have to give advice now to interns, I do always say, because I used to be like this as well, and that's why I started my, my website, actually, which was, you know, then just a sort of very basic-looking blog, is so that I'd have somewhere to write, because as an intern, you don't write. No. And a lot of people now are like, but how can I get people to notice me? And I'm like, do you know what? Do turn not. Up, turn up yeah, early. That's what I um, say. Make tea smile be helpful li- yeah literally that is what that is what will get you hard and, and i'm sorry but interning is not about when you'd see the bells those and whistles kids, but it should be paid it's awful when you see those kids who think that it's their time to show that they're the next julie birch and you're like no just go by the kit kats don't do that it's now. not, not going to be your devil wears prada moment yeah um so yeah that's one problem i think with unpaid internships is that it it's not great for uh, diversity um i think the other problem which is becoming more and more apparent is as time goes on with these cases is that basically the intern is the unpaid rotating second secretary of the office i always promised i'd remember the name of them i remember being once going i'll always remember the name when i was when i was just that faceless intern and you know what so many people come in to an office that you forget their name and you become the dick. You're just the yeah. dick in no, the chain. What do they call you? The work. They used to call me the worky. Work experience. The worky. Um, I think we, when I was at the Sunday Time Style, they were the girls in the cupboard. <laughs> there was a big <laughs> room called the Fashion Cupboard. <laughs> they were just like in We're the cupboard. Get so many emails from this episode, I can tell. Um, the, I think the problem is, as you and I know, is that you feel so lucky when you get to these places, and you feel like you should kind of kiss the ground just because you're so privileged to be there and that and that that attitude engenders a sense of a completely unboundaried work ethic and people can pick up on that and it gets dangerous i would have done anything to get a job at a magazine when I, was heard, younger. I would I've, have done absolutely I've heard anything magazines where the interns the assistants sleep under desks so they're there in the I morning i would have done that i would have walked across hot uh, coals uh, you can't you're not allowed to eat um hot food in the office you're not allowed to eat any food when the boss is there there's lots and lots of stories like this but there are also some quite tragic stories of yeah exactly so well. this is this is and it's, it gets dangerous i always remember reading there was a tragic story a few years ago about a 21 year old german student called moritz Erhardt. he was a very high-flying hard-working kid he, i think he was at michigan university um and he did a internship at merrill lynch the american bank and he was doing all-nighter after all-nighter while he was on his placement and he as an intern uh yeah and he collapsed and died in the shower and I remember I rem- reading it and I being very, very that. I do remember hearing upset that. Did by his, it. Did his family sue? I can't remember. I can't remember, but I, I do God. know that it's... I mean, I've never experienced that. I have to say as no, an intern. No, no, no. Of left, course, and that's a very... I left on the dot normally as an oh, intern. I didn't. I didn't. Really? No. no. Maybe it depends where you work. Was that I as was a TV runner? Clock. No, no, I was never a TV runner. This was only at magazines and papers. I was there, and I was there till 11 o'clock some nights. Really? Yeah. And what I'm saying is, is that that's, that incident is obviously an isolated, incredibly tragic and sad incident and is a rare case. But I think it all stems from the same attitude, is what, what I'm saying. The, and I don't think that that's a healthy... What about the intern that you have shut in your handbag right now, Dolly? When did you last feed? <laughs> <laughs> On to the question. It's good exposure for Chloe. <laughs> for Chloe, nice. So ask the Hilo. Um, every week we're going to have a little section where people have written into the Hilo show at gmail.com to ask us questions. If your question hasn't been read out, it's because it is remarkably similar to another question or we've just got nothing interesting to say. So <laughs> on to the first 
question. Dolly, take it away. Hi, ladies. I'm having a friendship dilemma and found myself wondering what Pandora and Dolly would do. Don't wonder that too often, I would say, my love. (laughs) Um, Basically, I've fallen out with one of my friends at uni and I've heard that her and her group have been slagging me off behind my back and although this feels terribly high school, I really just want to have her out with her TOWIE style because I'm fed up of being disrespected. God, that is very tiring. So my question is, do you think we as women should shy away from having it out as such? Is it relatively respectful? Everyone tells me to just forget about it. But as a feminist, I'm fed up of being silenced and made to feel like I need to let everything go and be all sweetness and light at the time when I'm being treated badly. I don't think this is a feminist issue. I think this is a question of personality type, although your friends are unequivocally dicks for slagging you off en masse. So... Some people are confrontational, see me. Some people less so. Would you say you are less confrontational? I'm much less confrontational. Yeah, I'm so not a confrontational person. I think um, if you want to have it out, TOWIE style. I wouldn't say have it out TOWIE style because having watched a lot of TOWIE, their arguments rarely seek resolution. Um, more likely drinks overheads. But I think absolutely have an honest conversation. Say, hey now, what's going on here? Stop yeah. talking. Let's just, let's just talk face to face. Or you could... Um, do what some people do and do it over text, which is a terrible idea. I think the thing as well to remember is that I spent <coughs> years and years in my early 20s of being so worried about upsetting people, even if they were behaving badly, that I would be completely normal with them or I'd try to kind of shun them, ghost them out of my life. And then I'd just go out and drink a bottle of Prosecco and rant about it to my friends. And it just got to it. a point where yeah. I was like, I just have I to start it. being honest with people. I did it with one of my best friends last I night. Find it really I had a conversation with her. And I said, and it's so much better, but I've had to really teach myself. There was something I was a bit upset about and she rang me to talk about it. We talked about it for 15 minutes and we said, then it's all done. I have nothing to talk to anyone about it now. It's all cleared um, up. Uh, lots of my friends will be like, oh, but, you know, but you're really punchy. You just, you're so like, confident. And I'm like, it's not confidence. It actually comes from a place of fear that if I don't have this conversation with you face to face, you will go away and talk about me to anyone and mm. everyone. And I have no control over the perception of me. But also just In talking way, about stuff behind put, people's backs. Yeah. If you go off now and I rant do do to your it, friends. But I feel really terrible when I do it, actually. That's I it. Really it, it makes you myself. feel, it gives you a complete, it makes you feel like you've got no integrity and it makes you feel very disconnected from people. And basically, the truth is a powerful and sacred thing and I would give her a chance to explain herself because that something might have got lost in translation along the way and I would say this has happened it's upset me be honest be brave and um, hopefully you can give her a chance to explain herself and you'll feel all the closer for it and that's hashtag all the closer Um, just time for one more email one more question what are your thoughts on persistent lateness I have a friend who is regularly 45 minutes late what do you think well, I don't think I'm really in a place to be advising I people on this. hate it. Well, I'm late for everything, sorry. Uh, you're not 45 minutes late. And I'm actually sometimes late myself now. I never used to be, but have you noticed? It's a bad... You, you're never late. I'm a, ve- I'm a very... I'm sometimes... I'm, um, I'm terrible it's, I for think lateness. it's rude. I it think, is rude. I think it's 10 awful. minutes... I think 10 minutes is fine. Anything longer than 10 minutes... Um, no, not not cool. And if your friend, do you know what? If your friend is regularly forty five minutes late, tell you'll meet her at nine fifteen and turn up at ten. That's clearly the way to. Yeah, the thing that I would say that that an ex. Actually, it's not attractive when you're grown up. It's fine when you're in like your early twenties and a teenager. But when you're like a proper fully functioning woman like I am now, age thirty, I don't think it's cool to turn up late. The thing that my ex said to me used to drive him completely insane. It was the main problem in our relationship. How late I was. The thing he said to me that made me rethink about how I was always late for everyone is he said I know you don't mean to do this but when you're late for me what that says is that you you think your time 
and your life is more important than mine. Mm. And that's incredibly disrespectful. Mm -hmm. And I would never want people to think that's what I thought of them. So say that to the person who's always late for you. Or if indeed you are a late person, I would try and hold that in the front of your mind when you're thinking, oh, instead of leaving now I'm just going to repaint my nails and get an Uber and I'm sure it will be fine it's never fine <laughs> I think with this friend in question they genuinely just just turn up 45 minutes after you've made the date mm. then hopefully all appear at the same time but yeah tell her it's also really irritating Thank you very much everyone who listened to today's show if you have thoughts on anything International Women's Day, any of the books we've talked about, any of the articles, um, Nike's pro hijab, um, interns, anything at all, anything that's even happened this week that we didn't talk about, please do tweet us at The Hilo Show on Twitter and then Show at gmail.com on email. And also, we would like to say thank you for all your support. Oh, yes, thanks. Thank, thank you very it's much making, um, It's making it a much more enjoyable process. It is indeed. And um, thank you very again, much so thank um, you. to SNK Studios, where we are recording today. I have eaten two of their Mawams. Thank you. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. 